Have you ever looked back on your life and said, I wish I had, or I wish I hadn't? You can fill in the blanks. I imagine we all have. I wish I hadn't eaten so much. I wish I hadn't slept so long. I wish I hadn't been so hateful to my wife or to my husband. I wish I had spent more time with my kids. I wish I hadn't spent so much time watching TV or playing video games. I wish I hadn't wasted so much money. I I wish I hadn't given in to sexual temptation. I wish I had read my Bible more. I wish I had gone to church more often. In my life, there are things that I regret, some big things and some small things. One of the small things, this past Monday, Christmas Eve... I was getting ready for our 4 o'clock service. I went into the bathroom here at the church to freshen up. I took my coat off to make sure everything was in place. Put my coat down on the counter in between two sinks. I was looking at myself in the mirror. And all of a sudden I heard this sound. I was going, what in the world is that? I looked down and my coat was covered in a white Santa beard. And the white Santa beard was getting bigger and bigger because I had set my coat underneath an automatic soap dispenser. (laughs) So I was getting ready to go out to the service and, and I had this white Santa beard all over my coat. Fortunately, I was able to get it off and no one was able to discover that I had a bathroom malfunction there in between the services. But I've also had some major regrets. And to be honest with you, there are a lot of them in my life. One of them occurred shortly after Sherry and I got married. I I was pastoring my first church, a small church out in the country. And Sherry and I were on vacation at the beach in Surfside where we we often go. And and I was experiencing a wonderful time with the Lord. I I felt very close to the Lord. I felt very connected to the Lord. I, I, I was... Had a wonderful prayer time that morning. I was continuing my prayer time as I was walking along the beach. And as I was walking and talking to God and praying, I saw this woman playing with what I guess was her young son there on the beach. And and he had a hearing aid in his ear. And almost immediately as I walked past them, I felt the Lord speak to me and say to me, go and pray for that boy. Now, to be honest with you, that was strange to me. And I know that probably sounds strange to you. And so I began to wrestle with that thought in my mind or those words that I heard in my mind. And I began to to argue with God. God, are you really telling me to go pray for that boy? I don't know them. What if I go up to them and the lady says, who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Or 
What if I pray and nothing happens? To make a long story short, I walked away and I didn't go up to the woman. I didn't go up to the young boy and pray for them. And I've always wondered, did I miss a God moment that day? Did God want to do something special? Did God want to do something supernatural? And I missed it because I was refusing to step out in faith. Over the years, I've met many people who look back at their past with regrets. Things that we've done, things that we haven't done. And oftentimes our regrets, if they aren't properly dealt with, lead us to guilt, it leads us to, to, to shame, it robs us of joy as we ask that question, what if? But in reality, there is only one who has ever lived a life of no regrets. There is only one who has ever lived a life that they can never ask, what if? There is nothing that they ever did that they wish they hadn't done. There is nothing that they should have done that they didn't do. Everything that they were supposed to do, they did. Everything they were supposed to stay away from, they stayed away from. That person was Jesus. Jesus had no regrets in his life. When, when he came to the end of his life, Jesus was able to say, I've done everything that the Father wanted me to do. Now, we may not be able to say that, as we come to the end of our life. But I do believe that each and every one of us can make a decision today to move from this point forward and say, from now on, I'm going to live a life of no regrets. And that's what Solomon talks about in the book of Proverbs. There's a passage where Solomon deals with this. The passage is Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11. And in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11, Solomon says this. He says, you don't want to end your life full of regrets. And that's true, isn't it? I mean, who in here wants to come to the end of their life and end their life full of regrets? I think that every one of us here want our life to count. We don't want to waste our life. We want to come to the end of our life and say, we've done all that we wanted to do, all that we needed to do. We've lived a full life. Now, Paul is a great example of this. His life was changed when he met Jesus and surrendered his life to him. And even though there were things in Paul's past that Paul wished that he hadn't done, he was able to live a life of no regrets. I want you to listen to what Paul says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. He says, this is the message I have been set apart to proclaim as a preacher, an emissary, and teacher. It's also the cause of all this trouble I am in. Now let's stop there. So here's Paul, and, and Paul has been given a message that he's to proclaim. And he's been giving that message. And that message has gotten him into a lot of trouble. That message has caused him a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. He had been beaten. He had been left for dead. He had been shunned by people that used to love him. He had been shipwrecked. He was eventually put to death, most people say. And yet, listen to what he says. But... I have no regrets. 
Here was Paul. He was doing what he was called to do. And even though what he was called to do led him to pain and suffering, he could say, I have no regrets. Earlier on, Paul talked about how salvation can take away our regrets. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, which leaves no regrets. In other words, what Paul is saying is this. When we come to know Jesus, when we truly experience salvation, his forgiveness takes away our regrets from the past and the power of his Holy Spirit living within us can help us to have no regrets as we go into the future. Now the older I get, the more I want to live this life of no regrets. The older I get, the more I want to make my life count relationally with my wife, with my children, with my grandkids. I think about that often. How can I impact the life of my children and grandchildren even though my children are, go- are grown? Physically, as I, I enter this, this third season of my life, I oftentimes ask myself, what can I do so that I can maintain the health that God has given me? I I don't want to have regrets physically. I I don't want to come 10 years from now and, and not be able to move because I haven't taken care of myself. And spiritually, I want to be close to God. I want to serve him more, and I want to share him more. So how can we live this life of no regrets? Well, I believe the Bible gives us the answer. And there are a number of things that the Bible says if we read it, if we study it, that help us learn how to live this life of no regrets. But I believe there are three foundational things that each and every one of us can do as followers of Jesus that will help us live our life in such a way that when we come to the end of it, we'll have no regrets. Now, here's the first thing. You've got to discover God's purpose for your life. If you want to live a life of no regrets, you have to discover God's purpose for your life. And I want you to look at me. Regardless of who you are, God has a purpose for you. The moment you were born, even before you were born, God had a purpose for your life. I want you to listen to what what God said to Jeremiah, the prophet. It says this in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. The Lord gave me this message. So here's Jeremiah, the prophet, and he says, This message came from the Lord to me. I knew you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before Jeremiah was ever even born, God already had a plan mapped out for him. And I want you to listen to me. God has a plan mapped out for you. God has a perfect plan for you. God has a perfect path he wants you to walk down regardless of who you are, regardless of what your gifts may be. God has a plan for your life. And here's the crazy thing. You can be happy and never discover God's plan, God's purpose for your life. You can make lots of money 
and never discover God's purpose for your life. You can be successful in life and never discover God's purpose for your life. But if you want to experience true fulfillment in life, the only way is to discover God's purpose. Because until you discover God's purpose, there will always be something missing. It may be like that very one little puzzle piece. That's all that's missing. But you know something is missing until you discover that purpose. Now listen, if you have to discover God's purpose, then it's possible that you miss God's purpose, right? And I think that, that many people, even people that love Jesus, miss God's purpose for their life. They don't mean to. It's not necessarily that they want to. But they take the easy road. And when we take the easy road, it's very easy for us to miss God's purpose. But you see, not only is it possible to miss God's purpose, it's possible that we reject God's purpose. You see, it's quite possible that we know exactly what it is that God wants us to do, and yet we refuse to do it. We reject what God wants us to do. That's what the Pharisees did. They rejected God's purpose. Listen to what it says in Luke 7. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. They willfully rejected what God wanted them to do. And I want you to listen. That is a dangerous place to be. It's a painful place to miss God's purpose. It's a dangerous place to reject God's purpose. So you can miss God's purpose, you can reject God's purpose, or you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. And that's what Jesus did. Listen to what it says in John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose, Satan, his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. But my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. That's Jesus' purpose. Jesus came to this earth so that you and I could experience life in its fullness. And when Jesus came to the end of his life, he said this as he faced the cross. He said, I was born for this purpose from start to finish. Jesus never veered from God's purpose for his life. Paul had a clear purpose in his life. Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and then on to verse 7. It says this, this is good and Pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then Paul says this, And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. So Paul says, God desires that all people come to a knowledge of the truth. And then he says, For this very purpose, God appointed me to be a herald, an ambassador, and an apostle to Jesus. So how can I discover God's purpose for my life? If I'm here today and I'm going, okay, I, I'm not sure I've discovered God's purpose. How can I discover God's special plan for my life? Well, I believe the simple answer is this, ask. If you want to know God's purpose, ask him. 
In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, but if you want to know what God wants you to do, so would you say that's your purpose in life? If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He will gladly tell you. There are a handful of things I know in life beyond a shadow of a doubt. And one of them is this. God wants you to know his purpose for your life. God wants you to know that. God doesn't want to leave you in the dark when it comes to his purpose for your life. Some of you have been doing something your entire life as an adult and you know that it is not God's purpose for you. Now, I'm not talking about your career, because your career may or may not have anything to do with your purpose. Your career may simply be a catalyst so that you can accomplish God's purpose. Your career may be a vehicle through which you can afford to do God's purpose. Your career isn't necessarily God's purpose. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But you need to understand God's purpose isn't necessarily your career. It's not necessarily your occupation or your vocation. And so have you discovered God's purpose? Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So what do you need to do? You need to get along with God and ask him. Ask him what he wants you to do. Now, now you say, Rocky, it's got to be a little more complicated than that. No, it's really not. But, but I can give you a couple of other things, okay? As you ask him in prayer, you listen for him to answer. That's novel, isn't it? We ask God something, and then we listen to what he's saying. So how do I hear God? Well, I believe there are three ways. First is through His Word. I can promise you right now, look at me. Look at me. You're never going to discover God's will for your life, His purpose for your life, apart from getting into His Word. You have to get into His Word. Now, you may not open up a specific book, a specific chapter, and a specific verse and say, this is what God wants me to do. But as you open up God's Word, God will illuminate your mind and your spirit, and He will speak to you. So you have to get into His Word. You have to listen to His Spirit. The older I get, the more I realize that as I am in a spirit of prayer with an opened Bible, God's Spirit speaks to me. He speaks to me sometimes in a still, quiet voice. Sometimes God's voice is booming like the thunder. But I'm here to tell you, When I get along with God in prayer with an open Bible, God's Spirit speaks to me. And then the third thing, seek godly counsel. I mean, once you get along with God, with an open Bible, an open spirit, 
submissive surrender to what He wants, and, and, and you think you know or you don't have a clue, go to godly people and say, I'm trying to discern what it is that God really wants me to do with my life. Can you help me? And they may say, no, but I'll start praying. Or they may say, you know, <laughs> funny you should ask. Or, or they may say to you, I've known what God wanted you to do all along. I was wondering why you weren't doing it. You see, each of us, just like Jeremiah, are made for a purpose. God has created us in a unique way for a unique reason. And we have to discover that. So discover God's purpose. The second thing is develop habits that will help you fulfill God's purpose. You see, discovery is the first step. But if you really want to fulfill God's purpose, you must then develop the necessary habits to accomplish that purpose. For instance, if, if I say that I believe God wants me to run a marathon, I'm here to tell you right now that I can't go outside this door, put on a pair of tennis shoes, and do it. It ain't happening. It's just not. Now, I don't know if I put my best foot forward and I train and prepare. I don't know if I can do it at the age and stage that I'm at right now. But I do know, I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's no way that I'll walk out this door, put on a pair of tennis shoes and, and hop on the road and run 26 point whatever miles. It ain't happening. For me to do that, I've got to develop some habits. I've got to prepare myself. I've got to start running. I mean, if I want to run 26 miles, I better run a mile. Amen? And so I've got to start running. I've got to build up my endurance, my lung capacity, my heart. I've got to build up myself. I've got to eat the right foods. I've got to start eating healthy foods. And you say, well, Rocky, there are people that can walk out here right now that are, that are eating bad foods and smoking a pack of cigarettes, and they can smoke they can run 26 miles. And yeah, there may be one or two or a couple of people like that. But they are not the rule. They are the exception. For most of us, if we want to ever accomplish something like that, we've got to develop some habits. And we've got to put those habits into place. And, and then we can maybe do it, right? And so the same thing is true when, when it comes to if accomplishing God's purpose in our life. We've got to develop some habits. And there are two steps, I believe, to this. First of all, we've got to get rid of bad habits. James said this in James 1. He said, so get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. Submit to God. Accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. Did you hear what he said? He said, get rid of. That word means to put off, to cast off. It's a willful decision. What James is saying is that if we want to accomplish God's purpose for our life, there are some things that we have to get rid of in our life. We're just going to have to do that. And then we have to submit to God. And so let me ask you some questions. What are the things that you need to get rid of in your life? There may be some filthy things. There may be some wicked things. But there also may be some things that just aren't useful things, right? Things that 
you're doing right now that take up time and take up space that aren't helping you accomplish your God-given purpose, your God-given dream. So you've got to get rid of the bad habits. And you have to ask God what that is. Some of them are sinful. Some of them are just wasteful. And then second, you've got to develop some godly habits. I love what it says about Paul in Acts 17 verse 2. It says, according to his usual habit, Paul went to the synagogue. This passage tells us that that Paul had habits. There are things that he consistently did on a regular basis. I want you to listen. If you want to accomplish God's purpose for your life, you have to develop some godly habits. There are three of them that that you have to develop. You're never going to know, much less accomplish God's purpose. One of them is you've got to read the Bible consistently, regularly. I mean, who do you think you are? If you think you can accomplish God's purpose, you can do what God wants you to do apart from reading what He says. Make a commitment in 2019 to consistently read the Bible. I'm not asking you to read the Bible through this year, though that would be a great goal. But I am asking you to read it every day or read it regularly. Maybe a chapter. Maybe a couple of chapters. But read the Bible every day. Second, pray. Talk to God and listen to God every day. We've shared with you before how you can pray regularly, how you can make that a habit. P-R-A-Y. You praise Him for who He is and what He's done. That's how you begin. You repent. You ask God to show you all the sins that you need to deal with in your life. Then you ask Him for those things that you need, your family needs, your church needs, the needs of the world. And then you yield to His will. P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, yield. Develop a prayer life. And then make the commitment to be in worship regularly. Do you have to be in worship every Sunday to be a Christian? No. But should you want to be in worship every week if you're a Christian? Yes. I I mean, God's people want to worship with God's people. And if we don't want to, then we need to ask ourselves, what's wrong with our faith? Now listen, there are other habits that you may need to develop in your life depending on what it is that God wants you to do. But I'm here to tell you that you're never going to discover God's purpose, much less accomplish God's purpose, if you aren't committed to those three things. And then here's the third thing. You've got to devote yourself to that purpose. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, no one can serve two masters. He will hate the first master and love the second, or he will be devoted to the first. And despise the second. You see, if I am going to accomplish the purpose that God has set before me, I have to be devoted to Him and that purpose. I have to be committed. I have to be single-minded. I have to come to that point where I let nothing 
deter me. You see, what I've discovered is when the going gets tough, most people quit. That's what happens. When it gets tough, we quit. We throw in the towel. But when we're devoted to what it is that God wants us to do, we keep on going in spite of what obstacles we may face. We are devoted to the purpose. We let nothing deter us. Discover God's purpose. Develop godly habits. And be devoted to what it is that God wants you to do. And I'm here to tell you that if you do that, once you find out what it is that God calls you to do, you develop those habits and you are devoted. You've got a single-minded focus. You let nothing deter you. You are going to begin to live the fulfilled life that Jesus came so that you could have. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come so that you may have life in all of its fullness. So that you may live life to its fullest. So that you can fulfill everything that I've created you to fulfill. I don't know about you. But at 58, as I look ahead to however much time I have left. I want to make sure that I don't have regrets. And the truth of the matter is, regardless of whether you're 28, 38, 58, or 88, that's the commitment that you need to make this morning. So would you bow your head with me? Would you close your eyes? With your head bowed, with your eyes closed, let me just ask you. Have you discovered God's purpose? Just think about it for a second. Have you discovered God's purpose? If you have, are you developing those habits that you need to accomplish it? Have you developed those habits? And then third, if you discovered that purpose and you've developed those habits, getting rid of the filth, the bad habits, and replacing them with the good habits, are you devoted? Are you committed? Are you willing to see it through till the end, regardless of what it takes, where it leads, how difficult it may be? Whatever it costs you to do, are you willing to do that? Like Paul, <laughs> it may lead to some tough times. It may lead to some suffering, some heartache, some pain. But I'm here to tell you it's worth it. Discover God's purpose. Now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to him, you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ alone, surrendering your life to him, I'm here to tell you that that is number one for you today. So if that's where you're at, and you're ready to, Receive his forgiveness and trust him to save you and surrender your life to him. Let me encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you 
to forgive all my sins. I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave to defeat sin and death for me. Today, I'm trusting you to save me. I'm asking you to come into my heart, come into my life, and take control. From this moment on, Jesus, I'm giving my all to you. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for saving me.